Hi, this is Dale Buchanan, the host of Puppy Talk Podcast. Before we get started today, I wanted to let you know of my new book, The Complete Puppy Training Manual. It's available on Amazon in four formats Kindle ebook, paperback, hardcover, and audiobook. You can find it on Amazon right now. It's called The Complete Puppy Training Manual, and I will put a link in the show notes of this episode. I'm Dale Buchanan, and this is Puppy Talk, the podcast that offers advice on how to raise a healthy, happy, and obedient puppy. This podcast is sponsored by Top Gun Dog Training. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast now so you don't miss a single episode of Puppy Talk. Welcome to episode number 12 of Puppy Talk. I'm your host, Dale Buchanan, and today I have a special guest, Eileen Koval from Confident Canines Dog Training in Nevada. Eileen is a certified dog behavior consultant and certified professional dog trainer. She is one of only two certified dog behavior consultants in Nevada. She is also a graduate of the Mike Shikasio's Aggression in Dogs Master Course, so am I, and I had Mike Shikasio on the show last week. If you have not seen that episode, check it out. Eileen also does a lot of work with puppies starting at eight weeks old, and interestingly enough, her specialty, one of her specialties is rattlesnake training, and that's how I found out about Eileen from the Winter Summit, where I saw her doing a presentation there on rattlesnake training. And I live in South Florida, and there are snakes here, but I don't think there are rattlesnakes. You can see more about Eileen's business at confidentcaninesdogtraining.com. But today, she's here to talk to us about enrichment for puppies. So welcome, Eileen. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on this podcast. You're very welcome. Have you um, been very busy with training a lot of puppies recently? I know I have. Oh gosh, we've been like we've been so busy out here. Everybody's getting a puppy. A lot of people are getting rescue dogs, and people are talking about having problems getting puppies. And so it's been a wonderful opportunity to educate owners about starting training and enrichment from the moment that you get them. When you uh, you know, if 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 you have a certain amount of clients right now, what percentage would you say are young puppies, eight to sixteen years, eight to eight to sixteen weeks old right now? Probably about half of my clients are. Yeah, same yeah. here. I'm, I'm, I'm up to about 75% now. And the rest are dogs with behavior problems. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. It's a nice mix, though. It's nice to work on a little bit of everything. But I really love my puppy clients because it's an opportunity to get them started out on the right foot. And, you know, with each puppy client, I don't do the same thing. We look at what are those specific needs with that puppy? What does that puppy need to, um, you know, get a good start in life. I feel the same way, like a kindergarten teacher, preschool <laughs> exactly. teacher, right? <laughs> so the first question I have for you is, what is enrichment? We've been hearing a lot about that recently, specifically since the pandemic started. A lot of dogs aren't getting outside. A lot of dogs are, you know, a lot of what customers say, they're locked up inside. They're not able to get out and do anything. So how would you define enrichment in, in the dog training world? Um, I think enrichment's one of those things that 
a lot of people don't really have a good grasp on what it is. It, a, a lot of people think it's just giving them something to do so they're not bored, but it's so much more than that. Uh, enrichment for dogs or you know any animal really is an opportunity to perform natural behaviors, which they don't really get a chance to do when they're inside all the time. And we have to give them species-specific um, opportunities and challenges and to increase their control over their environment. Because when we think about it, Puppies and older dogs, they don't have control over what goes on in their lives. We choose when they get to eat. We choose what they eat. We choose when they go outside for the most part. Uh, we choose which toys they have access to. We choose when they get to see friends or other people to socialize with. So they don't have a lot of autonomy. And so we can give them opportunities where they get to access things or to choose if they want to access things. We give them ways that they can practice some of these motor patterns that they're bred to perform. If it's looking out the window, um, you know, to see what's going on, alerting about things. If it's um, licking or digging, scavenging behaviors, um, socializing. Like, there's so many different needs psychologically and physiologically that maybe aren't met by just existing in this strict environment that we put puppies and dogs into. And so we really have to make a concerted effort to make sure that those physiological needs, you know, for mental stimulation, socialization, play, um, uh, companionship, um, that those things are met, as well as those psychological needs, um, like those uh, specific motor patterns that dogs are bred to perform. Because, you know, we bring these dogs into our homes, you know, a border collie or a retriever, um, then we don't perhaps like when they start chewing on things or they start nipping at and hurting children. And so we have to find appropriate outlets for that kind of behavior. And so that's where enrichment can come into play. So when I work with uh, a new puppy, I give them a little handout that says there are several things that your puppy is going to need. It's going to need exercise, mm-hmm. mental stimulation, socialization, and enrichment. How, do, how does enrichment cross over with, say, exercise and mental stimulation? Because I think that a lot of, of clients of mine and a lot of people get that confused. They don't really know, well, I play with my I play with my with my dog with a ball and that's play. But is that really enrichment or, you know, where where how is all of that combined together and can it all be combined together? I really think it is all combined together because that's a social need of the dog. Like that's a need, not just an extra. So I think that that is part of um, enrichment because um, if you never played with your dog, he never got to play with other dogs, never played with his owner. That's he'd be missing something from his life. So I think that is a key part of enrichment. I think a lot of times when people think about enrichment, they think about giving the dog a food toy, which is a wonderful form of enrichment, but there are so many other ones. So I like to kind of make a list because it differs from one dog to another about what are this dog's needs. Mental stimulation is one of them. These dogs were bred to perform very specific tasks that they were selected for generation after generation for a hundred years or more. And so they're bred to think. And now all of a sudden we have them in our homes. And if they're not given opportunities to do that, whether it's just teaching them a simple new trick um, or you know, teaching them some more complex task, um, if they're not getting that, then maybe um, you know these puppies are going to go find something to get into and 
it can be so many unwanted behaviors. So I think that those are parts of enrichment. Sometimes we separate them out, but it really is all the same thing. Socialization is a need for dogs too. Um, and it differs from one dog to another. Some dogs, they want to only socialize with a small select group of individuals or trusted dogs. Other ones want to just meet everyone. But when you're socializing a puppy, as long as you do it positively and go at the level where that dog is at, it can be a positive, enriching experience. So, for example, my youngest dog, Gilgamesh, um, when he was a puppy, uh, he was nervous about the world. Typical Koikirhenja, um, he was very wary of strangers. And so his enrichment experience, which was also part of socialization, was taking him to public places where he would see people at a distance, but he's not forced to interact. So every time he would look at strangers and look away from them to me, he would get treats and we would get closer and closer. So it was a positive experience. He looked forward to doing this. Now, at a year and a half old, he wants to go up to everyone he sees. It's really positive. He likes to meet new people. But as long as you put it at the level that's appropriate for that puppy, it's enrichment. And um, it sets him up for success later. Because I can only imagine how he would be now if we didn't do those sorts of experiences when he was really young. He might be afraid of the world, afraid of people. But now he wants to seek people out. He gets really excited about it. I was going to ask that question, what happens to dogs if they don't get enough enrichment? And, you know, I live in an apartment community right now. I see a lot of dogs that they'll take down the elevator and out to the parking lot, and they're just going crazy. There's a couple that live in my building. One is a husky. It's an adult husky, maybe two to three years old. It's, you know, it's a young adult. And there's a couple of other dogs in my community, the same thing. And I, you know, as a, as a dog trainer, I don't really say anything to them, but I do wear my dog training shirt around. So they know what my profession is. If they want me, they come to me. I have a lot of clients. I'm not worried about it. But the thing is, when I see that happen, I know the only thing that this dog ever gets are two to three walks a day and nothing else. And that really upsets me. That makes, because I bring my own puppy to daycare three days a week of one I've gone through 12 years with different dogs. And I bring her to the dog park three days a week. And I take her for literally 10 walks a day. And I play with her and I do all kinds. She's very well-rounded, okay? She's very balanced and centered and has a lot of things that make her a well-rounded dog and has no behavior problems as a result. So how frustrating is it to you to see somebody that, that, you know, and and what do you do about it when somebody just says, well, I dig my dog a couple walks a day, but you know it's not enough. How do you handle that? I try to talk to them about what the needs of that animal are because a lot of times people just don't recognize it. They don't realize what the dog needs. They feel like they're doing everything in their power. And so I try to talk about, um, you know, what are the needs of this individual dog? Because sometimes they had a dog in the past who they just didn't need the same thing. You know, one dog to another dog, like they all have different needs. They're bred for different functions. They may have different energy levels, um, different social needs. Um, and also different ages as well. But, you know, what one dog needs isn't the same. So we go and look at this specific dog and I try to tell them, well, if you're having unwanted behaviors like chewing, destruction, reactivity where the dog's over the top. Sometimes with puppies, we see poor sleep and wake cycles if they're not getting the uh, amount of stimulation and enrichment that they need. I say, well, what can we do about this? And so I actually try to write down objectives. 
Like, what is the objective that we want to achieve? And what type of enrichment can we add to this in order to achieve that objective? Do we want a dog who's more calm because they're tired out mentally? Are we trying to give the dog more stimulation? Are we trying to raise the arousal? What kind of objective do we want from this? And then select the enrichment that's appropriate for it. And also looking at how much work the owner is willing to put in. Because sometimes people have a tough time, especially nowadays with the pandemic. Um, people's uh, Their home lives have been upended. People are working different schedules. Um, some people working from home. And so I, I do include the client into that, but I look at those types of situations as an opportunity to try to help this dog and help this owner connect. Because I always tell them when your dog's um, missing out on these things, he's not just being a jerk. <laughs> That's what I always say. He's not being a jerk. There are unmet needs and they really don't have a way to communicate that to us other than through these unwanted behaviors. Like how does your dog tell you, hey, I need more walks or I need more um, mentally stim stimulating activities where I get to practice scavenging or I get to dig or I get to use my nose because I'm a dog that's bred to use my nose and do scent work. How do they tell you that? It's usually in ways that we don't like. Like chewing or barking or <laughs> uh, begging for attention or things like that, right? Exactly. That's how they're letting us know. <laughs> yeah, I get calls like that all the time. I need you to help me stop my dog. He's chewing up, you know, the furniture and, he, and he's barking all the time and he won't stop jumping on, you know, running around the house and having the zoomies and things like that. These are behaviors that, you know, are very easy to fix with management. But, you know, a lot of owners just don't understand that the enrichment is a big part of helping to. And I, let me tell you, and you said something that was interesting because you said, and, and I don't disagree with you, but you said, you know, sometimes we might need to use enrichment to lift a dog up or we might need to use enrichment to calm a dog down. I, I've never gotten any calls to lift a dog up. I always get calls to calm a dog down because especially puppies, they say, my puppy's hyper and we need help. I need help getting him under control, you know. And the first thing I look at is what are you doing with your dog? I ask, what are you doing? Tell me about the dog's life. What's the dog's lifestyle? What are you doing? Well, I throw the ball with him a couple times during the day and I take him for a walk or two and then he runs around in the backyard and then, and that's, that's the exercise. That's what he gets. And it's like, that's, that's not going to be enough. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I occasionally see dogs that they'd say, oh, he just lays there. He's just a couch potato. And it's dogs that are totally understimulated and just kind of given up on life. I sometimes see that and they just lay around, but then you actually start doing something with them. And it's like, this dog comes alive. When you start actually doing something that's satisfying for them, um, I see that from time to time. I actually use my oldest dog, Bones, as an example. I got into agility and I got into scent work with her years ago. But the first couple of years of her life, she was just a house dog. We didn't really do much. And then when we started doing these activities, it was like a totally different dog. It's like this part of her came alive. Um, started doing activities that actually use some of these motor patterns that she was bred for. And she was just much happier overall. It took away some of the fear issues that we had seen, some of the anxiety that can come about when dogs aren't getting to do, um, you know, they're not getting their psychological needs met. Dogs, you see all these nasty unwanted behaviors, but some dogs, they just kind of shut down occasionally. I don't see it as much, but I do see it from time to time. And so that's why I about sometimes those dogs, um, they're just happier, more fulfilled when you do that lifting up a little bit. Um, 
And uh, agility is like that too. Agility is a very stimulating activity and we lift them up so that we can bring them back down because they're calmed down afterwards. Oh, I've seen dogs that do agility like that one dog, Pink, that I watch all the time on YouTube, that that Border Collie. When, yeah. when, when she's done, she runs into the owner's arm and she's barking and barking and barking. And she's so excited. I, that's a normal reaction to a dog that does an agility course, right? Absolutely. I do agility with all three of my dogs. Um, you know, we competed in AKC and NADAC and... Um, Two of mine bark quite a bit on the course, but we were always trying to control their arousal level. We want them to be excited. We want to raise them up. And, you know, when they're out there, they're going kind of nuts. And even right afterwards, they're so excited, you know, running over into your arms or jumping in your arms. But then they come back down because they've gotten to right. their brains, they're satisfied, they're fulfilled. So it's one of those things where we raise up their arousal level, but it's because they're satisfied and we, it, they bring them back down. So, um, but it fulfills a need of theirs because some of these herding breeds, especially we see in agility because they get to practice some of those motor patterns, um, especially if you use targeting or you use treat toys or tugs um, that they're chasing after when you're doing um, the agility training they get to go through some of those patterns. So I see a lot of border collies, Australian shepherds like you have, um, and cattle dogs. And some of these people say that they couldn't live with the dog if they didn't do an activity like this. Oh yeah. Dixie is a year old on Valentine's day. And you know, I, I have a question because I want to get her into agility training, but what age do you start dogs at agility? Because I read that you can't start them too young because their joints aren't fused together yet. So you don't want them doing serious jumping and serious speed because it could hurt them at, at a younger age. So what age? Um, well, I start doing some things as young as four or five months, but not things that involve impact or a lot of speed. Um, I don't do that until the growth plates are closed. And I advise everyone to check with their veterinarian to make sure that they are closed because it's not one of those things that you want to risk. It's just not worth it. But what we can do when they're younger is get them used to touching different surfaces because in agility, some dogs that start when they're older are afraid of touching the contact equipment, um, like the A-frame or the dog walk, because it feels different and they're spooked by it. Get them used to surfaces that move under them, like a little rocker board or wobble board. Teach them hind end awareness. So you could do perch training where you flip over a water bowl, put their front feet on the top of it, and now they have to learn to walk side to side and move with their hind feet behind them. Um, I get out cones and teach them to move away from me, and I teach them directionals, like left and right. I get jump wings out, but no bars on the jump, and I teach them to you know, move forward through the jumps, and I do that when they're really young so that once they are old enough and we start to raise, we actually put the bar up when they're older, it's all easy because they are comfortable moving away from me. They know their lefts and rights. I teach them tunnels too, just things that help build their confidence and um, teach some of those foundations. And the foundations are really important. It's really easy to spot an agility dog who's had foundational training and ones who haven't. Okay. So what's foundational training for the listeners? And give me some examples of that. Oh, like some of those things I was talking about, like the body awareness, like knowing where their hind feet are. Some of these dogs have no idea that they have hind, um, hind paws, um, teaching them about turning around and keeping their feet all in a certain area, um, teaching them to collect their feet, like 
we do what we call these grid patterns where we have them um, trotting or jumping over very low things. It's like an inch off the ground, but your dog's walking over them, your puppy's moving over them, but they're collecting their feet and they're very aware of how they're moving their legs um, so that they can uh, gauge distance going over things. So we're teaching them some of that body awareness. Um, and then we also teach them going around cones and like those lefts and rights. We teach them, you know, how to move their feet in different patterns. We work on um, textured surfaces, teaching them, you know, to be not so afraid of surfaces moving under them. Cause guess what? They're going to go on a teeter totter um, if they do much agility and that can really spook some dogs. But if we go at it very slowly, it can be a fun experience, which is the only way that I teach it. There should not be fear and agility. Agility is fun stuff. And so we go at it really slowly that way. I wish that more people here would be into things like agility. Um, I, I, I don't know why, but a lot of people here, maybe because of the heat, but it's hot in Nevada too. But here it's very humid. So. Yeah. I used to live in Florida and that's where I first got started in agility, but I lived in the panhandle <laughs> and uh, I was up a lot further north from you, but it was miserable doing agility in the summer. We would go out at night and the, the mosquitoes would descend on you and it was not very fun, but um, there was a small community that was really into it and that's where I got my start, but I wish there were more people that did it because even if you're not planning to compete, it is such a wonderful bonding experience to do that with your dog because you have to be completely in tune with one another. Uh, you, you have to be able to communicate exactly what you want to that dog. And I see videos of myself sometimes, and I think I'm communicating one thing. And then I look back at that video and that dog did exactly what they asked them to do, but I didn't realize what I asked them to do. with uh. my language. So it, you really get to connect with your dog. It's wonderful enrichment. And it's a great relationship building, you know, technique as well is what you're saying, because the relationship between you and your dog is absolutely important for the dog to have a great life. You know, they have to have that and that 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 connection with you. And that's amazing. I just the, the agility thing is fascinating. And Dixie's a year old, so I need to start getting her into that. Uh, what other uh, enrichment ideas do you have for people with young puppies, you know, starting and, and what age do, do owners want to start with enrichment for puppies? And can, so can you give us maybe three to five examples other than agility, which isn't going to be done at eight weeks old or other than food toys, something, something unique? Um, yeah. Uh, for puppies, I like to do enrichment as soon as I get them. Um, I like them to look out the window. That's enrichment. See the things that are going on. A lot of people close the blinds. They don't want their puppy to see what's out there because they don't want them to bark. Um, but I like them to get used to seeing things that are out there. You can even reward them for checking things out. Um, I also like to take them in a shopping cart or a stroller to different places um, so that they experience noises. I want them to see people who look different, see different dogs. It doesn't mean they have to interact with them, but get to see some of those things. Uh, you can also um, uh, have like a digging. I like digging behaviors. A lot of dogs like to dig, but people don't like them to dig. But if you give them a sandbox or somewhere that they're allowed to, then um, that's something that they can practice, um, you know, digging and enjoying themselves with that. You can hide some toys or some little chews in there. Um, a lot of dogs really enjoy that. Uh, you can um, do like little scavenger hunts, like for um, toys or treats that you hide around the house. Some dogs really enjoy that. 
Uh, there's a lot of different things you can do. You can teach little tricks to your dogs. I like to um, work on body handling with puppies. And this can be enrichment because um, they're bonding with you by learning to trust you because they're going to need to trust you to touch their paws if they get something stuck in there, to trust you to um, you know feel them all over. That's part of owning a dog is knowing what's changing on their body so we can take care of them. And you can do this as an enrichment training experience where you touch a paw, give a treat, touch a paw. Actually, for my, um, my boy Gilgamesh, I was preparing him for confirmation for the show ring. He hated having his paws touched and he didn't care about treats for it. And this dog is a chow hound. But what was a high value reward to him was getting to play rough with me. So we integrated the play with the touching on the body. Now it's a fun game. He loves it when I touch his paws and then like we wrestle around. And so we're integrating some of this, um, these things together. And so that's something you can do with your puppy integrating um, with the body handling with, um, you know, play or treats. And that's an enrichment thing too. And it's just puppies learning, like that's part of enrichment. Association. They're learning everything, you know, through association. And that's great. I started handling Dixie when I first got her because it was rainy here the first week I had her. And she's a, she was four and a half pounds. So <laughs> I, brought, I brought her inside. She's soaking wet. I put her on the, the counter of the spare bathroom and I just started wiping her down and, and wiping her paws and brushing her. And every time I bring her in from a walk, which is a lot, I walk her a lot. And I even have a dog walker when I'm not here or she's at you know daycare or something like that. And I, I, I handle her. I wipe her paws and she knows she'll lift up. One paw and her right front paw, and then she'll set that down. She'll lift up her right back paw, and then she'll go all around the four paws, and she'll know exactly what's going to happen next because I've done it so many hundreds of times. Yeah, and I that's and I didn't know I was doing enrichment with her. Yay! Yeah, she thought it was fun. She thought it was a fun experience. Another thing I like to do with puppies is introduce them to novel objects and make a game out of it. Um, Because, you know, they're going to encounter things that are different on the street. Like one day they go out and there are trash cans there. That spooks some dogs. Or they go out one day and there's blow up Santa Claus. (laughs) You know, some kind of decorations that are out there that they're not expecting. Or I've seen dogs spooked when something different has been moved in the house. Um, a lot of puppies are, you know, a little nervous about the world like that. Some aren't. But we want to make it a game, make it fun to check out new things. I want a dog who feels independent to explore. And so what I do with puppies is I have them, uh, you know, put a novel object out and they go over and they look at it and they get a treat. And they look at it again and get a treat. Well, then I change the criteria. They have to get a little bit closer and then they get a treat until they're touching it with their nose or their paws and they get treats for that. And it's just a fun game and it sets them up for success later because there are going to be things in life that make them a little bit nervous. And it's just a fun game. And so if they have this history behind it where checking out new things is a fun thing that I do with mom and dad, then it's not so scary later on. Um, So that's a nice thing to do with them. Have them touch unusual surfaces. Um, You can have your puppy climb in and out of a cardboard box. It sounds so silly, but I'll have puppies climb in and out of a cardboard box or a laundry basket. Um, With my, some of my agility puppies, I do that as well as a, this sounds silly, but a metal baking pan. Some puppies are very strange about different surfaces and metal is one of those. 
We see those on the streets here, at least in Las Vegas, where there are these metal grates that some dogs are so spooked to walk across because they're not used to touching metal. So you can do enrichment by having them put one paw on the on the little metal thing and then give them a treat, put another paw on the baking pan and give them a treat, and then eventually have all four paws in there and get a treat. Sounds so silly, but it's a fun game, and it sets them up to not be afraid of some of these different surfaces. Um, it, it just sounds really silly, but have your puppy climb in and out of things. Encourage them to explore and to be independent. It sounds a lot like desensitization as well, because I know with a lot of dogs that, you know, I just, you what you mentioned, I've gone through with dogs in the last month or two, the Christmas, the, the inflated Christmas Santa, and then the trash can. You know, I had the lab, the black lab that I trained Benjamin. I'm training him right now, and he's almost 16 weeks old. He gets his final round of shots and rabies on Thursday. And the owner said, oh, he's scared of the trash can. No problem. We're going to bring the trash can out. He's going to walk up to the trash can. And when he does, I just say his name, and I give him a treat. And then he went up to the trash can. Now he goes up to the trash can, and we roll it around next to him. And after five minutes, he, he didn't care. He loved the trash can. He thought, the trash can's great. I yeah. get food. I get food when the trash can's out. It's you know, <laughs> like you've made it into a fun game, and anything yeah. like that is enrichment. Yeah, it, yeah. It, you know, you wouldn't think it is, but to and we have to look at it from the perspective of the dog, and to him, this is just fun and games. I never looked at the handling of a dog as enrichment either, and I had to do the same thing with this exact same dog. He's going through all of the the typical Labrador puppy, you know, stages and and everything. So. I mean, this is just, this information you're giving is enlightening to me because I never, I never really saw en enrichment as being this broad, you know, and I always thought enrichment was separate from everything else. So this is eye-opening to myself and hope the listeners as well. What about dog obedience training, sit down, stay, come, leave it, drop it, wait, heal, those types of things. How do we put that in together with enrichment? How do we do obedience training? And do, uh, you know, do enrichment as a, as a, as a pair, as a team. Um, yeah, I think it can totally be enrichment because they enjoy learning new things. As long as you are doing it in a way where you're creating value and performing the behavior. So the dog wants to do it. The dog wants to get that reward, whether it's food or praise or play, they like having the opportunity to do it. So if you ask them to sit, it's not well, I feel obligated to sit or else it's not like, um, it's a, you know, there's impending punishment where if you ask them to do that, it's like, Ooh, I want to sit because I get praised or I get petted, I get a treat. Um, or there's this history of reinforcement behind it. One of the enrichment things that I've always done with my dogs is I rehearse all the different cues that they know, um, just randomly once in a while. And we do it for little pieces of vegetables or kibble. And they just think it's the best thing in the world because I've created this value of doing these things with me. They love to, to make me happy. They think it's fun times when we do things with me and, you know, they'll show me all their different little behaviors. And so I think obedience, if you make it fun like that, where it's just fun and games that they're doing with um, dad or with mom or whoever, um, I think that that can be enrichment. It's just, it's the way that you present it as the trainer. And, you know, so, Sometimes there's a certain dog or just a certain day where it can be challenging and maybe it doesn't feel so much like fun and games. And that's when it's time to just step back for a little bit 
reassess the situation and think, well, how can I communicate things better or make this more fun? Because we do want it to be enrichment. We do want it to be fun. We want the dog to perceive it as a game. Because at the end of the day, what we're doing is we're creating value in performing this behavior and we're creating a pattern where they've done this over and over and over again and they got rewarded so that eventually, you know, down the line, maybe when you're, you don't have treats on you, that they'll just do it. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, we, we want it to be positive. Very much so. Positive reinforcement, positive training. I get it. So let's review some of the stuff we've talked about in this interview because it's absolutely fascinating. It's just, it's just mind-boggling how much information is here in this short amount of time. It's for me and for everybody else. But, you know, just in review, when puppies don't get enough enrichment, they can have some you know, stress and anxiety, right? Yes. Stress, anxiety, which can come out in the form of hyperactivity. Um, you might see uh, destruction, chewing, sometimes even growling and aggression. I've even seen that in puppies. Uh, sometimes I see poor sleep and wake cycles. You can see all kinds of unwanted things. Sometimes we see frustration behaviors, lunging on the end of the leash, um, trying to get to people or other dogs because they don't get that. I mean, sometimes we see that too because there aren't boundaries, but sometimes it's an unmet need. So um, whenever you're seeing some unwanted, unwanted behaviors, take a step back and think, well, why? Why is my dog doing this? Because that's a way that they're communicating to us that they're not getting something. Right, right. So- what the enrichment, you know, what I took away from this, in addition to the the tips you gave for enrichment, one of the things that's key, that's a light bulb, is that the enrichment is helping to build the relationship with the owner. And this is so important. I tell my clients, it's so important to have a healthy relationship with your dog, because if that relationship is broken in any way, again, your dog's going to start to develop behavior problems because it doesn't have trust. It doesn't have the leadership. It doesn't have confidence. And that's that's a big problem, especially for puppies, right? I think you nailed it right there. That's exactly right. And it's crucial for puppies because, like I was mentioning before, dogs don't have all that control over their environment. We do. And so they really have to trust us and they ha we have to build up as much confidence as we can with them. And they have to know that we're taking good care of them and we're providing them with these opportunities and that they can rely on us. And if they let us know through behaviors we've trained or even unwanted behaviors that we're going to try to meet their needs as best as we can. So trust is everything and building up that relationship uh, is everything. Just like raising a child, you have to have trust, right? I mean, it's very similar because you have to have that. They have to have trust and they have to have faith that you're going to guide them in the right direction. Yeah, but, you know, feeling hopeless is never a good feeling. So we don't want our dogs to feel like that. And right. so we, we do need to enrich them and build up that bond. Well, I want to thank you so much for being on Puppy Talk. It has been a pleasure. This is a big surprise to get so much enlightenment and great um, information from you about enrichment. And I would like to ask you to tell the listeners about your website, about your social media pages, anything you've got coming up. Are you doing any webinars? Are you doing any more podcasts? Are you going to be on any more summits? What's going on in your life that people might be interested in following you? 
Um, well, you can find me on Facebook, um, Confident Canines Dog Training in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, I also have a website, ConfidentCaninesDogTraining.com. I'm on Instagram. Uh, I guess coming up, my next thing is that I will be speaking at the APDT annual conference. Um, that, that's not till this fall, but I'll be speaking about the rattlesnake training. The rattlesnake avoidance training, I use positive reinforcement, and um, it's fun. It's funny how it's become a specialty of mine. I never imagined that it would. <laughs> but um, moving out here in Las Vegas, there, there's rattlesnakes and there weren't a lot of options for training. So you can learn about that too. I have a blog on my website where I talk about lots of different um, issues that may be of interest to you if you have a puppy or an older dog that has some behavioral issues. Um, so I just blog about those things and um, you might find something that helps you. So uh, feel free to reach out if you have any questions. I love um, talking with folks from all over. So, Yeah, and I will say that your blog is fantastic. I've already shared a couple of your articles with my clients, and I'm not going to mention which ones, but one did come up. It was about the second or third one down, and, um, you know, this is a kid's show, so... You know, it's 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 on Apple as under kids and family pets. So, you know, I'm gonna I'm not gonna go there, but uh it was a very interesting article and I, I think your articles on your blog are fantastic. Very good. I to help people. I see things that, you know, I was wondering about. Um I figure, well, you know, somebody else is thinking the same thing. So awesome. Well, I would like to thank everybody for listening to this episode of Puppy Talk. I'm gonna put all of Eileen's information in the bio. So she'll have links to go right to her website and to her uh, Facebook page. And if you have any questions about any of this stuff, you can always contact us through puppytalkpodcast.com. And we'll have uh, more episodes coming up with interviews next week. I've got an interview with somebody who specializes in separation anxiety. And that will be a fantastic episode. So be sure to tune in next Wednesday night when we release that episode. Thanks. Have a great day. This is Dale Buchanan, host of Puppy Talk Podcast. I have an announcement of a new book that I just published called Potty Training Your Puppy. It's available on Amazon in Kindle and paperback, soon to be available on audiobook. You can find out all the details of this book using the link in the show notes. It's called Potty Training Your Puppy. It's a comprehensive book with a simple and effective way to help potty train your puppy, and it really works. Check out the link in the show notes.